Hello and welcome to Dog Talk with me, your host, Nick Benger, the ultimate podcast to help you take the next step in your dog training journey by learning from the best experts from around the world. Hello, what's up people? Welcome to the podcast. Couple of things to run over as always. If you haven't joined us on the Facebook group, which is Dog Talk with Nick Benger, podcast discussion group, which is where we discuss the podcast. You can ask your questions and get them answered and all that kind of good stuff. Then uh, go over there, send us a request and we can get you added. The other thing is this podcast is sponsored by Butternut Box. Butternut Box have always been really awesome to us. They're our first ever, ever sponsor. Uh, what they are is a really healthy, natural, home-cooked food. They have all the freshest ingredients and there's none of the crap. Like, there's no, like, colorings and all that horrible stuff that you get in so many dog foods. They've really set out to do it properly. And that's shown in the fact that they're one of the few dog foods that has a five-star rating on All About Dog Food. They are a really good dog food for dogs that are a little bit fussy. That's certainly been the case with our dog, Pablo. He's always been fussy. He loves butternut box. It's also good for dogs that have sensitive stomachs, that have a lot of allergies and stuff like that. When you sign up, you can uh, tell them what allergies your dog has and they can kind of tailor it to you a little bit. So if you want to try that out, then you can get 75% off your first order. So it's well worth giving a go and just seeing if you like it, seeing if your dog likes it. Um, because the first order is ridiculously cheap. Um, they're just a really cool company, to be honest. Um, they've they've always been really good to me, and I'm really glad that we've got them as sponsors. So to get your 75% off, go to butternutbox.com slash nickbenger. Right, now let's get into the podcast. Today I am talking to Svenja Timmins. Svenja is a professional photographer she runs Pocket Fox Photography. She specializes in photographing dogs and their humans, but she's particularly well known for her photos with dog training professionals. So, let's get into it. Hello, Svenja. So, how did you get interested in photography? Hi, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. Um, I've, I've been interested in photography pretty much all my life, really. Um, my, my granddad was a professional photographer, um, and my mum didn't quite follow in his footsteps, but she always had a camera on her. Um, so it's, it's just always been something that's been in my life. Um, I didn't think I'd ever make a, a career out of it. Um, but yeah, I've managed to get here, which is, is pretty cool. So is that why you started? Because your parents were doing it. Like, did you have a camera at a young age? How, how did that work? No, not really. I mean, I, I did. I, cameras were always lying about. So I did have a camera from a young age. And I kind of knew how they, how they worked and how to play about. But um, I didn't really seriously pick up a camera um, until I was probably in the last few years of my degree. Um, and it was as a bit of a distraction, really. <laughs> so whilst I was meant to be uh, writing my my papers and doing my reading, uh, instead I just found myself picking up the camera and having a play, really. Oh, so what did you do your degree in then? Geography. Oh, okay. So it's not like you kind of had this plan from an early age and you did no. a photography degree or anything like that? Not at all. No, I wish I had, actually. I think... Well, no, I loved my I loved my geography degree, um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change that. But um, I think I, I would have as a kid if you'd asked me what I wanted to be, I probably would have said I want to be a photographer. Um, but I don't think I ever took it seriously enough to really make it happen. Um, so yeah, I went and studied something else, which I loved as well. Um, and it's only really been in the past couple of years that it's um, kind of come back into my life in a bigger way. So were you interested in dogs as well as from a young age? Um, no, not really, actually. Um, so I grew up with, I grew up with other animals. So we had cats and budgies and all sorts. We didn't have dogs. Um, but then it was about, it was actually probably when I met my fiance, his family had three dogs and we spent a lot of time living at his, um, over kind of summer breaks from uni, that kind of thing. 
and I just really loved having them around um, and <laughs> pretty quickly decided that I wanted to have a dog and it wasn't the best situation I was still at uni I uh, didn't really have the time but I kind of yeah decided that I'd love to have a dog and then the photography and the dog thing uh, crossed paths a little bit later on. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting so was it literally like dog in the dorm rooms type thing? Pretty much. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, I came up, I was so determined in my last year of university to get a dog that I'd actually come up with this uh, elaborate story to uh, to tell my landlady about, you know, some far-flung great auntie had, had died and had left her dog and now I, needed to, now I needed to take it in. And none of this was true. I just, I was planning on getting a rescue and being like, this is my dog. <laughs> but that didn't happen. Don't worry. So the, I, I was more so the landlord didn't find out? No, I didn't get the dog in the end. Oh, I decided okay. to be comfortable at that at that point. But no, I just I just really wanted. I just I love the company of dogs. Um, and I just yeah, I just got it in my head that I really really wanted one of my own. So what made you go? Because is Loki a collie? Is that right? Loki is a border collie. Yes. Uh, and yeah, there is a story behind how I ended up with a border collie as well. Okay, well tell us the story then. So, uh, in my in my bid to get a dog and not being able to have my own dog, um, I basically offered to dog sit everybody and their grannies' dogs just for free, just because I wanted dogs. So, um, <laughs> at one point, I ended up dog sitting two of my friends' border collies, who I absolutely loved, and of all the dog breeds, I just kind of clicked with them the most. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty. Once I get an idea in my head, I'm pretty solid about it. So I was like, that's it. I want a Border Collie. Um, and I immediately started looking for, right, how do I get how do I get a Border Collie? I knew nothing about, you know, I kind of knew about rescues and things. But I didn't really know anything else about dogs. But, but that's when I decided that I wanted a Border Collie. was after dog sitting them, basically. Okay, so was photography like a career switch for you then? Because if I'm right, and I, I might be wrong about this, but isn't your business relatively new? Mm-hmm. Yep, it is indeed. So again, I uh, I'm actually supposed to be. Well, no, I am. I am. If anyone that knows me is actually listening, uh, I am writing up a PhD at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I'd been doing photography on the side for a little while, um, and <laughs> to be totally honest, my my funding ended for my bursary, and I basically needed to get a job. Or come up with something else to to make some money. And I'd been taking pictures, you know, of friends' dogs and of my own dog uh, for quite a while. And I decided, why not? You know, as if I wasn't sure if there'd be anyone else crazy enough apart from me to want lots of pictures of their dog. Uh, but it turns out there are, which is wonderful. Um, <laughs> so that's how it started. Was as a bit of a side thing, but I'm now pretty much doing it full time, which is oh wow, awesome. that's really really cool. One of the things that yeah. kind of like drew me to you, I think, is that, well, first of all, I came across you through John McGuigan's photos because me and John have been friends for a while now. Um, but it seems like from from viewing of your social media that you are starting to kind of specialize in working with dog trainers, which I think even if it's happened by accident, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but... I think it's really, really cool. And then also, I know you've got this kind of added dimension of having a bit of an interest in dog training already. So yeah. I just think that's the coolest niche. And it, when I saw you doing that, I was like, wow, I can't believe that there aren't more people that are kind of going for that niche. Oh, that's really cool of me to say, because <laughs> it is very niche. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I've seen many others uh, trying to <laughs> hit that spot between dogs, photography and training. Uh, but no, that was actually very intentional. Um, so if I, if I kind of backtrack again, when I eventually got my dog, uh, Loki, who's a border collie, um, I at that point still knew very little about dogs. And um, I actually, so the the friend that I got Loki from, um, she so she bred her but I knew her for two two years before I actually got Loki and just kind of walked with her, her dogs got to know her dogs and then basically this litter came up and it was kind of good enough timing to get a puppy but I knew I I knew zilch about how to train a dog all I knew is that I wanted this buddy and that you know she was going to grow up and we were going to go on cool adventures um but I didn't have much of a plan luckily my friend who I got her from um is really big on her training and you know she raises her litters like in a really cool way and um, basically from, from day dot of Loki, my dog, 
being born, um, I pretty much started to learn about dogs, development, training, um, and every step of the way from bringing her home, uh, I was really lucky to have a really nice community around me who knew what they were doing um, and give me pointers on kind of training and what to do, what not to do, and kind of videos to look up. And that's where I first came across John uh, McGuigan as well. That was one of the, the videos and kind of links that I was pointed in, I was pointing his direction. So yeah, that's how that started. And I'm pretty, I'm one of these people that once I get into something, I get really into it. Um, so that kind of sparked a bit of, yeah, a new, <laughs> and I wouldn't say obsession, um, but I'm definitely a bit of a, an amateur geek in the, uh, the dog kind of training and behavior. Yeah, I can relate yeah. to that a lot. I, <laughs> I wish that more dog breeders would push people towards like good information and good sources. Because I mean, when I first, <laughs> well, you know, when I first got my puppy, I did everything wrong, right? Like we just got a puppy like out of the newspaper kind of deal, met at, like a petrol yeah. station, <laughs> you know, like paid a few hundred pounds, uh, got our first yeah. Labrador puppy. And the source of information that I came across first was the dog whisperer. Right, because he w- this was like during like his prime time, you know, when he was at yeah. his biggest. Uh, so I started off my first few years of dog training was just like real, real dominance. Like then, it, I was really nasty to him. To be honest, I was such a, I was just bullied him, you know, because I, I thought that that's what dog training was supposed to be, and I'd heard all of these justifications, and I've just thought that was how it was, and and even the people that were around me kind of cemented that right like they they believed in that as well so um for me it wasn't until i um kind of accidentally came across karen pryor's book that my mind Mm -hmm. was blown but i love it when i hear stories from people like you that you know you never had to go through well it's not even that you didn't have to go through that your dog didn't have to go through that right (laughs) like i wish that mine didn't so it's it's really cool it's really cool that there are breeders that are pushing people towards the right stuff right from the go because uh, man I wish that uh, I wish that happened to me yeah no I think that's a really important point actually um because I think that's really important and breeders do they, they I mean good breeders good responsible ethical breeders can play such a huge role in you know in in setting new dog owners up for for yeah a really like positive good start to build up good relationships because I I mean I really didn't. I mean, I, I don't think I would if I if I brought her home without anything else around me, you know, without any kind of pointers. I, d- I don't know where we would have ended up. I don't think I could. I don't think it's in me to have ever gone down the whole kind of you know dominance route, that kind of thing. Because it's just not. I don't think I could. Yeah, it, it's not my personality type. But actually, not even that. That's that's probably the wrong thing to say because even people who you know it's not what they would do. <laughs> You're judging me right now. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is and actually no you're right because even people who don't want to do it if they're told that's what they need to do I it does happen I've seen it happen that's what you know it's if that's what if you don't know anything else and that's what someone's telling you is you need to do this um then yeah it's, it's easy to do that but I was just I mean it's partly luck but it's it's how it should be really I think if you if you know if you're a, a, a good ethical responsible breeder and you've got someone coming to you who says you know like hands up I don't know what I'm doing with this puppy what do I do um I think that's a really crucial point really because like you said you don't have to make any of the mistakes that well the difficulty that other- is when you start having problems uh you know like my dog almost got hit by a car multiple times and it's like all the people around me are telling me that the way that I fix this is to hit my dog on the butt right like I remember being in the park and um he was messing around and stuff and like feeling incredibly guilty about smacking my dog for not coming back but I thought that I had to do it like and I I remember just feeling horrible about it but that's what I thought I had to do like that's what everyone was telling me I had to do and the people that weren't um they were kind of shooting down Caesar Milan that I saw was my like Mm-hmm. hero <laughs> right because i as far as i could tell on tv he was you know like achieving incredible things so yeah it was a kind of a bit of cognitive dissonance as well like i wanted to defend like that because i thought that he was the greatest thing ever so i yeah. don't know no, I, I know what you mean yeah. though like my girlfriend she is she 
like even though I would consider myself to train I don't even know what the word would be now it's become so many labels like humanely right but like (laughs) me compared to her do you know what I mean like she is like and that's just her personality like she 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 doesn't raise her voice at all even when she's getting angry even she you know and that's so I can completely relate to what you're saying that's what I was getting at, really. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't have made mistakes. If anything, I probably would have had this feral dog that just, you know, did whatever it wanted because I just couldn't train it. But yeah, I would, I would definitely. Have, we were, and I have been. We, we were talking about this the other day because my reaction to getting frustrated is to get angry, whereas yeah. her reaction is to get sad. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> really. And the thing is, as well, it's just she might be the same as well. Like. I think also, and it, it, it's quite handy in training, really. If something goes wrong, I'm like, well, it's my fault. Like, what have I done? You know, like, I've obviously made a mistake along the line for that to have happened. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I probably, even without the, the pointers I had, which was so, so helpful, I think even without that, I probably would have ended up getting into training and kind of, you know, wanting to learn more about it. But it was just really handy to be put on that, you know, put on that path straight away yeah that's that's a really great thing so in terms of like photographing dogs are there any like unique challenges are dogs any more difficult to photograph than say people um that's a good question i think they are very different um and also each dog is so different as well as in the same as, as each person is but um in some ways it's a lot easier because you can make a total and utter fool of yourself and do you know, you can act like a crazy person to get their attention and kind of run around and be silly if you need to or, like, get right down on the floor with them, which you obviously, you know, if you were trying to do that with a human, they might... It's <laughs> 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 uh, cool with dogs. You just do what you need to do. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, I actually find it easier a lot of the time to interact with, with dogs on a shoot than, than humans. Uh, but they definitely do. There are There are definite challenges, and it depends on the dogs. Some of them... You know, sometimes you'll meet a dog and they're they're really quite quite shy and quite anxious. So, you know, we'll spend half the session really just getting them comfortable. So we'll just kind of go for a little walk and, you know, let them come up if they want to. If they don't want to, then that's cool. We kind of work more of a distance. Um, and then you get the opposite where you get, you know, some dogs, as soon as you get down, because quite often I'm shooting down on the ground with them. So I'm lying down. Um, and some of them, they just get so excited because usually if someone's down on the floor, it's because they want to play or they want to, you know, they're being silly. So, yeah, sometimes you'll just have a dog that wants to be on top of you rather than well, the, in front the, of the The advantage of you having some understanding of dog training as well is that you know when to be slower and, you know, take your time about things because I, I think that there must be a lot of photographers out there and pet photography has become something like everyone offers, I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if you just have a photography studio and you might not be particularly interested in dogs or pets, yeah. it's kind of like just become that thing that, like, everyone does. So to yeah, have no, so to have someone that has a specific knowledge, like, that is extremely helpful because if you do have a nervous dog and you still want to get, like, some nice photos of them, then you can be yeah. sure that you're not going to be any you know you know what you're doing you're not going to like force the dog to do anything in order to get a shot yeah i think that that's a really good point actually because i have had a few um few dogs that are quite i mean the owners have said to me beforehand you know they're not really keen on strangers i don't know if we'll get any shots is this going to work and and basically what i say to them is that we'll just you know we really just we'll, we'll take it and we'll see what happens basically I'll arrive I won't you know I don't get in their faces I don't you know it's not I do try to when I first get there just kind of I guess assess the dog from from what what their personality is like and how they react to to me and then even things like with getting the camera out the bag like quite often with a more nervous dog the camera doesn't even come out until a good you know 15-20 minutes into our time together and that's absolutely fine and then sometimes it'll come out and the first thing I'll do is just stand let them sniff it that kind of thing and yeah it really is all about working at the dog's pace and sometimes I think the owners feel you know that sometimes they feel quite uncomfortable about that because they're thinking that they're wasting my time and they're like oh we're not really getting any shots and and really for me it's, it's completely about the dog um from the start to finish it's you know if the dog's not happy then we stop what we're doing if the dog's getting a little bit you know hyped then we slow things down and we just let them have a sniff 
Um, and also, like you were saying about the kind of getting dogs into poses and things, I really couldn't care less about, you know, getting them into a particular pose. I mean, sometimes, say, a particular shot's going to look nice and we try and encourage them in. Um, but I've got no interest in, you know, making them kind of sit and look a particular way, any of that. So for me, it's all about capturing the dog, their personality. Um, and also, increasingly, this is, it's, it kind of, this happened quite organically, but um, the relationship between the dogs and they're humans as well. Um, because at first, when I started this, I was quite new to having people in front of the lens. Um, so I really just focused on the dog, and it was all about that. And then I started having a few people on sessions, you know, just asking, do you mind if we get in some pictures? Um, and at first, I was a bit, I was like, oh, this is different. It's a human in my lens rather than a, rather than a dog. <laughs> it's actually, it's my favourite part of the sessions, usually, when, you know, when people want to get involved in the shots, because I think that's when that relationship really comes out um, and it's just really lovely to see. And I think that's always, even people who are a bit hesitant, because now I always ask people on any session, like, do you want to get, you know, do you want to get some pictures with your dog? And even the people that are a bit hesitant and think, oh, I don't really like a picture taken, that kind of thing. Usually they end up being, you know, the favourite shots, which is really lovely. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it hadn't, re- I hadn't even like thought about that. But when I look at, through your photos on Facebook and stuff like that, like the shots that stick in my mind are the ones like I looked through your John McGuigan set, like the one that w- where you're in the like field and he's Logan's looking up yeah. at him. Like that's a great photo. Um, yeah. You know, like you're right. Like the ones where you can see a, a bit of a relationship, those do are the ones that tend to stick in your mind more. Yeah, definitely, and they're definitely the ones that stick in my mind too. You know, if I think back to to my favorite sessions and. You know, the, the dogs and the people that really stick in my mind it's the ones where you can and it doesn't need to be anything you know particularly meaning you know meaningful and you know in the sense that the picture itself is not always something particularly special about the picture it's just those tiny little moments you know it can be just the dog looking up or you know just like the dog leaning into the, their own there's a really lovely one that one of my first shots um that i took actually with people in and all it is is just this this fizzler by this guy's leg and she's just kind of got her head cocked and just looking up at him. And it's just such a simple picture, but it's, it's one of my most favourites because it's, yeah, you can just see that she thinks the world of a human and that's, <laughs> that's really lovely. Now, that's actually a really good tip as well because, like, when I try to take photos of our dogs, um, if I, like, kneel down with a the camera, then straight away, like you said, you know, they're right up to the lens. Like, <laughs> I wanted to see what is Nick doing. And... Yeah. Um, and I, I'm always just trying to take a photo of the dog, but that idea, that tip of kind of like have people in it as well, you know, like have people mm-hmm. interacting with the dogs too, um, is a good one because also they can act as a bit of a distraction for the dog <laughs> from you, right? Because like yeah, so much definitely. of the time the dog is just like, what are you doing? Yeah, I've got so many photos of like dogs' noses. <laughs> oh. And like, don't get me wrong, like you should see when I first upload a like a memory stick after a session like there are so many bloopers in mine as well it's definitely difficult (laughs) photographing dogs what about cameras because like cameras are one so obviously you're a photographer you're gonna have like really high-end cameras but most people have phones um yeah maybe a a minority of people have like lower end ds dslrs um No one really has compacts anymore, do they? The <laughs> <laughs> grand on. <laughs> so, like, how much difference does a camera make, and how can people get the most out of the camera that they got? Do you know this is actually a really interesting um, point because I had this conversation with with somebody actually on a session recently, and I realised that actually by the end of it, I'd pretty much got them thinking hang on why have I actually booked a shoot <laughs> because <laughs> with this person was often it's it's actually not like it's really nice to have high quality images where they're really you know tech sharp um and you know all the colors are really vibrant and the exposure is perfect like that's really nice to have but actually a lot of the time it's so much more about the expression on the dog or the particular moment or the interaction um and it's about capturing that so I think if you know, if you're just someone trying to take pictures of your own dog, I mean, you'll know them so well. And I think the nicest pictures really come from doing something that your dog loves, where you can really see, you know, see that they're happy and see that they're enjoying themselves. And I mean, 
with the photography, there's, I mean, there are some some little tips, things like getting down at your dog's level. That's really helpful. Um, and also trying to get some some distance because, like you said, you don't always want your dog's nose right in front of of your lens. So just giving it time and just, you know, if you say you've gone to your dog's favorite spot out on a field or something or a river, you probably, if you immediately try and jump in there and get some pictures, you probably won't get any in the first kind of couple of minutes because your dog might be too excited. They're wondering what you're doing. But just, it's a bit like wildlife photography, I guess. Not that I'm a pro in this area at all, but you know when you watch those those um, scenes at the end of uh, Planet Earth, and you know they just spend ages in these little tents on on sides of mountains. Yeah, that looks. That, yeah, I I've seen. I well, I've heard about. We know a few wildlife photographers actually, yeah. and it always seems like, you know, that is a crazy job. Like literally just waiting for hours, days, weeks, or whatever, just for one photo. Exactly, and I'm not suggesting that you do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about having that bit of patience and just letting things really calm down and just letting your dog yeah do do what they fancy I think that's quite often when you get the best shots really um but I think the quality aspect of it, it you know it's it's nice to have those those really high quality pictures but and even for me actually if I think back a lot of my favorite pictures of my own dog aren't the ones that I've taken you know when I've gone out specifically to try and get pictures of her with my camera and you know set everything up my absolute favourite ones, a lot of them, have really just been little phone snaps. That, Portrait you know, that mode just... is the yeah. best. <laughs> we love portrait mode. Yeah, although, do you know, I don't even have that. I've still got a really old iPhone that doesn't even do anything jazzy like that. But yeah, these days, with all the crazy stuff that camera, like phone cameras do, I'm going to be out of business soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the phone cameras are getting, like, insanely good. Like, really it's good. really startling, like... I uh, updated relatively recently. Now I've got a OnePlus 5T, which isn't even the newest of their range. And, like, the photos are really, really good. And often I'll get emails from people that are like, hey, what camera are you using? And it's like, it's just a phone. Yeah. But the phones are getting insanely good. It is, it's, it is amazing. One aspect, though, where I think, you know, a good uh, SLR and... Uh, and proper photography kit can kind of trumpet still <laughs> only just is with the action shots I think quite often um, and that's one of my favorite things to do as well is is just set up some good some good kind of jumping over logs that kind of thing um, that's good fun and I think at the moment that's probably the only yeah I don't, I don't I'm not sure that there's phones that can quite keep up with that yeah oh no 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 I'm not <laughs> suggesting for a minute that like DSLRs are redundant because one of the my favorite things to do because I I do mess around with cameras a little bit and like mm-hmm. I've used Lightroom. So I've, I, this is like the extent I sound like such a newbie to you, I'm sure. So I shoot in <laughs> raw format and then I edit it in Lightroom. Yeah. So that I have found the Lightroom aspect of it and shooting in raw. So you have more kind of editability that is extremely helpful, I think. And, and you can't really do that on a phone to the same extent. Yeah, no, that that is true. And actually, I think what a lot of people don't realise as well is how much of it goes on in the editing rather than on the shoot. So, um, you know, I'm actually quite hesitant sometimes to show people. Like sometimes, even if I know I've got a really good shot, sometimes I'm quite hesitant to, to show them the back of the camera and go, oh, look at this one. Because actually, sometimes in camera, they really don't look, you know, they don't look like what the final result looks like. Yeah, you know it's going to be way better when you get a chance. <laughs> Exactly. So, like, I'll take it and I'll know exactly what I can do to it. And it's going to look amazing. And I'll be really excited. But, you know, I'll, I'll be like, I'm not going to show them this because, you know, it just looks a bit a bit flat. And that's the thing also with shooting in RAW, um, which you'll know, is when you when you import it, it's not had the same level of in-camera processing. So, actually, it quite often looks very flat when you first import it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the magic really happens afterwards. And I don't tend to do too much with mine. I mean, pet photography really varies. You get you, know, you get the studio shoots where everything's kind of you know coloured background and you know dog doing a nice pose. You're saying that like you're not really a big fan of it. Oh no, no, do you know um, <laughs> uh, photographers that can get good, you know, really good pictures in studios? I'm impressed because <laughs> I totally rely on being able to have like a nice wander around, different settings. Well, that's so, no. that's one of the things that sticks out about your photos is they're always on like the most idyllic mountain or something. <laughs> Get out and about. <laughs> Definitely. 
Well, so yeah, I'm definitely not dissing people that do studio shoots. I think people that get results there are, are awesome. But in terms of like the style of photography, you get that, or you get you do get the outdoor shoots that are still more heavily kind of a bit more, but almost like a studio shoot but outdoors. So everything's quite you know perfect. And and a lot of the photographers that I follow, they do this kind of work, and it is stunning. Like every image that they post could be, you know, like blown up massive on someone's wall, and and it's impressive. But I think what I do, and I think I'm getting more and more comfortable with this, actually, because in the beginning I was like, I don't know if this is really, you know, if this is really working. But what I love to do is pretty much treat it like going on just a bit of an adventure with a dog and their humans. And I think part of it is the experience as well. Um, or I, li- I like to think that it's a lot of the feedback that I get. You know, people say that even before they've seen the pictures, they've had such a, you know, they've had such a nice time just getting out and about and exploring and just letting their dog be a dog and just relax and yeah, so I think for me that's a huge part of it, actually. Yeah, that is that's really interesting because, like, and and also it seems like photo, like, there's kind of like a culture now around photography because, like, Instagram has got massive, right? Like, I know loads of people that take their pets Instagram account super seriously. <laughs> Like, I guarantee a lot of people that are listening to this episode are like, how can I take better photos for Instagram? (laughs) And I am so guilty of that, definitely. (laughs) It's a thing. Like, it's like a thing now. You get a puppy or you get a dog and the next thing you do is you make an Instagram account for them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was definitely one of those people. Um, And and to be honest, that's that's how I ended up actually doing the the pet photography the dog photography is um I got so into I got I was, my Instagram kind of it grew bigger than even I thought it would I mean I was definitely not you know by no means like insta famous <laughs> but we ended up with I think nearly 6,000 followers at one point which for just like you know someone and their dog is quite a lot um and in all honesty it started to become a bit much because I found that I was you know almost taking pictures for Instagram and it's not just dog photography this is with you know everything in life I think when it gets to that point when you're taking pictures pretty much with the sole aim of posting it on Instagram or posting it on social media I think that's when it's time to uh yeah take a little step back sometimes and just reevaluate why you're doing what you're doing yeah we have a friend that is is the same and you know he does like through growing his Instagram I think he's kind of on a similar kind of number range like he um now he ha- he gets like deals with people like he goes to like photo shoots like all over the country and it's like wow all of this just came out of you know putting some photos on instagram so yeah. it's pretty mental it is amazing where where you can yeah end up and some of the yeah some of the dogs have some of the accounts are huge and <laughs> so also people definitely. take it really seriously right like that like i don't know i don't really understand this but people will put the same kind of like setting or something on all of their photos so that yeah. it like looks cohesive. Oh yeah, your grid. You've got to make sure <laughs> That's it. Grid. It's the grid. <laughs> uh huh. And do you know, it's it, even beyond just having the same kind of filter and the same look on each picture. It's about you know making sure that your pictures look good and that little like three by three square. Um, it's definitely a big thing. And I'm not. And actually, it's like, it can be a load of fun as well but I think for me I did get to that point where I was taking it a little bit seriously I think it was at that point where I was like do you know actually I, and I, I always enjoyed the photography I loved it the, I, I did genuinely enjoy that bit so it kind of got to that point where I was like right this has been fun and Instagram is, is it was I've actually made a lot of you know friends that have become kind of real friends not just <laughs> internet friends through Instagram which has been really cool um, but yeah I kind of decided at that point that it, yeah, it'd be fun actually to take pictures of other people's dogs, um, as well as mine. And I'm so glad I did actually because it's it, it puts in a different perspective when it's not just you know you taking pictures of your own dog. Well, you you seem to be doing very well. And like, well, one other question I wanted to ask you as well is for people that are maybe thinking about like jumping a little bit deeper in and like getting a DSLR, like mm-hmm. I think it's really complicated because I've been through this process before. Like, one of the things... Firstly, you have, like, Canon versus everyone else, it seems. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, you sit one way or the other, and it's, like, a war between the two camps. And then the next yeah. thing is, uh, like, lenses. Like, mm-hmm. the whole lens situation for a newbie is, like, what the hell do I get? Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, not even for a newbie, like once you get into lenses, it gets even worse. (laughs) (laughs) All about every single lens. You're like, which one do I go for next? Um, But yeah, in in all honesty, I've kind of, so I I do work with Canon. um, (laughs) Okay. It's one of these things I had. So I got my first DSLR for my 18th birthday and it was a Canon. And since then I've not even questioned, it's like a cult, isn't it? I've never never even questioned using anything else. Um, but to be to be honest, you can't really, you know, if you if you invest in a in a good one, just you know, check out the reviews, have a look at pictures that other people have taken with, you know, with the camera. That's maybe a good tip actually that I've that I found actually when I've been looking for like new lenses, um, is just trying to like have a look at what other people have done with that camera or with that lens, um, seeing if that's the type of thing that you want to do. And yeah, once you've gone, once you've chosen your kind of ecosystem um you can't really go wrong and then just play from there which and the thing is as well with the lenses is whatever you start with I think it's about exploring that lens and you know making the most of it and really learning how it works and you know how to use it in different situations and you really do get to you know you get to know your lenses quite well um, and what they can do and how they work so I think my my top tip would really be if you really want to get into it you know, invest in something decent. You don't have to spend the earth, but you know, invest in something fairly decent, and then just really learn how to use it. And then you'll know once you know once you really feel like you're pushing the boundaries with it. Um, that's when you'll know that it's time to potentially move on to something else. Um, but there's so much there's so much to learn just with you know entry level stuff. You don't you don't need to to dive right in there and sell your soul for <laughs> professional kit right away. And you can also get some pretty cool photos, right, with like a relatively basic DSLR. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, one of the things, one of the websites that I really liked when I was starting to mess around with photography is Flickr, which is like mm-hmm. serious Instagram. <laughs> but the cool thing about Flickr is it tells you what people used. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And there's a few Facebook groups too now, actually. There's, um, oh, I'm not going to remember the names off the top of my head, but there's a few that are specifically about pet photography, animal photography. I mean, there'll be a group for any type of photography, but quite a lot of them, if you kind of join one and have a little look, some of them, one of the rules will be that you have to post your, your settings, so the body, the lens, and then oh, the, the camera okay. settings. Yeah, so that's quite helpful as well. Um, and you know, this this is when you know that you're a proper geek because it gets to the point where you're kind of scrolling through and you'll you'll know a lens just by you won't even have to read the description you'll be like that's that lens or like, oh wow the- i'm really surprised by that you're yeah it's i think it does yeah you realize yourself you're in a whole new level of geekdom when you <laughs> when you just know and then sometimes you'll see a picture and they you know they won't put the info and i'll be like i'm fairly sure it's that lens and then sometimes i'll just go and ask just to check and then when it is i'm like yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like guessing people's dog breeds yeah, pretty much. And you know, yeah. like, if you see someone that's got an unusual breed and you say, exactly. like, oh, that's a Shiba Inu or something like that, then they normally get, like, a really over-the-top response because no one ever guesses. Exactly, yeah. That definitely happens. <laughs> so you mentioned, like, learning your lens, learning uh, mm-hmm. photography. What's the best way to go about that? Like, is it reading books, magazines, Facebook groups? Like, where is the best place to start with that? Yeah. Um, in all honesty, I think some of it is, yeah, yeah, some of it is, is maybe watching a few kind of YouTube videos. Again, I don't really, for photography, I don't really have any specific ones to recommend, but once you've got the hang of so the three basics in, in photography, and you'll know this, and I think most of your listeners will know this, but just to, just in case they don't, the three basics are really the aperture, the ISO, and the shutter speed. We definitely don't so, know that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're getting too geeky then. You just stop. No, with those with those settings, right? When I pull out my camera, I I don't really understand what they mean. I just fiddle yeah. until it looks okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to learn too. Just learn by experimenting. <laughs> Once you know what they do, um, I mean, like really, like twenty second explanation. So aperture, kind of, <laughs> if I really simplify it, basically dictates whether or not you get that nice blurry background or whether everything's in focus. Okay. Um, shutter speed is really important for getting sharp images. So, you know, the faster your subject is moving, especially for action shots, you want that basically cranked as high as you can. Um, and then the ISO, basically with ISO, it's, it, that's to do with exposure, but you, the kind of general rule is that the higher you have it, 
they kind of no they call it noisy when you get like a bit of grain in your images. So the higher you have it, the noisier it is. But also the higher you have it, it allows you to shoot in darker environments. Okay. So that wasn't the clearest explanation. No, no, but... <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, like what, but... in terms of like photographing in dark environments, like is it better to use flashes and like artificial lights and all that kind of stuff? I what I like to do I. I tend to like using natural light whenever I can. So if I'm, you know, if I'm scheduling a shoot with a client, I'll always take that into consideration. Also, depending on, you know, where we're shooting, I'll have a think about where the light is and where it would look good, you know, where wouldn't. So I much prefer to work with natural light whenever I can. Um, mainly because I think it's, it's part of, I think for my style as well of photography, because it is all quite natural and quite, um, yeah, it's, for me, that just seems to work quite well. And I have quite a lot of fun as well, just trying to find the light in different places. But if you do need to shoot somewhere darker, um, again, if you've, you know, if you've just got a DSLR and you, you, know, you want to have a play about and you don't have on-camera flash or off-camera flashes, things like that, um, even just like rearranging things so that you've got more light can work quite well. So if you're indoors, just you know, rearrange the furniture a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all good. Or, um, you know outside just moving somewhere more open as long as you've got a little bit of daylight left yeah i am a big fan of using using what's in front of you with like well i i talk i was gonna say dog trainers but i guess this really applies to any like dog professional um do you think that people maybe under use images or like under use or underrate professional images because like i see someone like um, the one that sticks out to me of someone that does it well is like, like, oh my god, I can't talk today. Uh, <laughs> Craig Ogilvy, you know, oh, he, I think his sister is his photographer. Yeah. Like, he always makes really good use of photos. He's always got like a million like perfect photos. And yeah. sometimes, you know, the, we have these big events, like we have, you know, the big conferences and stuff, and like, you hardly ever see any photos. Or, yeah. like, there's dog... Tra like, John has done it well, actually, because he's got you in and he's taken all of these brilliant photos, so he's got, like, a million good photos as well. Um, <laughs> Not quite sure I delivered a million, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it seems like people aren't maybe cottoning onto this yet. Maybe there's, like, an opening here for um, for people that, that want to get some high-quality photos to use in their business and to use yeah. to promote themselves. No, I definitely, I completely agree. And actually that's part of where, um, so when I decided that I wanted to start working more with other professionals uh, in the kind of dog business, that was, that was actually one of my kind of my motivators for doing that because I know that, you know, good dog trainers who, you know, know their stuff using like scientific, you know, reward-based methods, doing a really awesome job. They've got a big enough battle as it is with, you know, a lot of old school, techniques and approach are still being banded about and I think one of the things that can really help is is good images and videos as well not just not just still pictures but basically the more that they can show the you know not just the results that they get so it's not just about showing here's a picture of a dog that's you know healing perfectly and it's not so much about the results it's more like the pictures that I did with John it's about showing that you know the relationship that you can develop by using those types of approaches um and pictures and videos are just i mean we live in such a visual world don't we i mean everyone's constantly scrolling on their feeds instagram facebook whatever it is we're, we're constantly being fed those images so the more that's out there about i, I really struggle with <laughs> which word to use for the training approaches um but yeah the more that's out there about the you know the more force-free reward-based i'm gonna get attacked for all these aren't i um <laughs> i don't think you're gonna get attacked but we we all struggle with these words now like personally like oh god we're gonna go off on a tangent here <laughs> personally i've become really uncomfortable with calling myself a positive trainer because yeah i feel like some people have taken that label and they've taken it to mm -hmm. such an extreme like it's become like peter-esque right you know it's just become insane so now I, I yeah. feel uncomfortable calling myself a positive trainer. And then I'm like, oh, I don't know what, you know what label to use. Like, I think reward-based kind of makes the most sense. But I don't know. Yeah. I struggle with it myself. Yeah. I'm totally with you. And I think I also really overthink things a lot. And I'm like, positive trainer, does that really... 
you know it doesn't make sense right yeah like positive punishment like that's do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. from an off yeah, perspective, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I think I think reward based is probably is probably where I've ended up feeling comfortable with. Um, but yeah, back to your actual question. <laughs> I think the more visual stuff that's out there for people to see, you know, for it to become the norm, you know, for it to be normal to see dogs in like harnesses and long leads rather than you know like choke chains and you know short leashes being yanked. Like the more that I think. The more that we see it, the more it will become like that's just how you, you know, that's just how you train a dog. So, yeah, I think from that side, it is really important for not, not just not just professionals, anybody really. Like, you know, if you're doing like cool training stuff out there and, you know, in a in a cool way, then why not share it? It's it's good to have that. But, yeah, for, for the professionals, I think it and especially because you're quite often doing the work with the dog. It's, you know, it's difficult for you to try and get pictures as you're doing it. Um investing in some photography can can just give you that just a little bit of a, a boost just to just to shout about what you're doing a bit more well yeah certainly seeing how well it's worked for someone like craig and and john mm-hmm. like i've thought about it before like if i did a workshop like it might actually just be worth hiring a photographer just mm-hmm. because like that gives you so much more exposure those are photos you can use forever like there's so yeah. many positives to it um and like I don't know, I just feel like it's actually you could justify that quite easily. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, mean, I don't think the other thing is, I guess, with um, you know, from more of a like a exposure type thing. If you, you know, if you have a whole bunch of pictures from your event um, where you've been doing some cool stuff and everyone's really enjoying it, you know, you've got all these pictures that you can then share on Facebook. People can tag themselves or you know share it about. Um, yeah, the more that you can share, the better. So yeah and and you mentioned harnesses there like one that has stuck out for me like as a company that is killing it with their photo game Uh again like killing the harness game is roughwear oh yeah like their instagram and all of their material to be honest like the photos are like on point well as far as i can tell anyway i don't know if you can criticize them but like they look like pretty damn good and also they seem to have built like a culture with their photos they really have yeah they've gone really big on the whole kind of adventuring getting outdoors um no they're doing they're doing a really cool a cool thing and they've got they they definitely made huge use of instagram as well so a lot of the you know the the more kind of the bigger like adventure outdoorsy dog accounts um a lot of them will will be using roughwear and you're know, tagging roughwear and roughwear will be reposting it so yeah definitely from like a brand perspective um i mean you need good pictures that's that's how you're gonna you know make your your brand well it's definitely like um made them stand out right like i can't think of another harness company that has made as good use of like you said instagram and as of photography as roughwear and also like as we talk like it's just like the conferences the workshops the seminars like that just seems like an obvious play to hire someone for and I I know like no one that does it. The only person I can think of is um, Dominic Hodgson, who we had on the podcast before. He like he's done that before, and it's worked great for him. You know, he's he had a video guy and Alex the video guy, and they filmed it and they uh, sell it. But they also have a million f- photos of all that stuff. Jane Arden actually she works with Alex yeah. the video guy as well. So like they have a, like they do well through that content. Like it does seem yeah. to make a lot of sense. So, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, and it's it, it. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, why not? If you've put all this effort into planning a workshop or an event, or even just you know, if you're a trainer, and it's just your weekly classes. Like, invite a photographer to come down for one of them. You know, get some get some pictures, share them. Um, yeah, you can't really go wrong. That's yeah. The more that's how you- like the internet has made that like really important. I think like whereas before like you might be able to just have like one good photo or whatever to put on a pamphlet like now you you have to have photos for your website you want to have photos for your social media you want to have photos for your events so like i think photography is in a really strong place right now yeah i guess it's all about keeping it fresh isn't it because that's the thing people do expect new content you know if you're scrolling your you know facebook feed you're just used to seeing like the brands and things you follow coming out with new stuff quite regularly so 
Yeah, it's, I think regardless of what your business is or, you know, whatever it is you're doing that you want to get your message out about, pictures are, and videos are... A great yeah, way of standing out. So, yeah. with in terms of with your photography, mm-hmm. is is that something that you would be interested in doing more of or are you only interested in photographing <laughs> on top of mountains? And... <laughs> If I could, if I could run away to uh, <laughs> some mountains for the rest of my life and just take pictures there, I'd be quite happy. But <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know, in all honesty, I absolutely what I love the most is working with people that love their dogs. Really, and that sounds really cheesy, but honestly, the people that I've met. I mean, when I first started taking pictures of dogs, I was genuinely excited about all the dogs I was getting to meet. I was like, ooh, I get to meet this dog this week and this dog. But actually, like, dogs are really cool. I love dogs. <laughs> but I've met so many really, really nice people through this that have become really good friends. Like, a lot of my work is – so I'm I'm usually based in Sheffield and the Peak District, and a lot of my shoots happen there. Um, and a lot of the people that booked a session with me have ended up becoming really good friends, and we walk our dogs together and – you know, it's led to some some other really cool, like dog related <laughs> stuff. That so, seems like a great place to live to be to be into photography. Yeah, it's not it's, it's not bad. I do we kind of ended up in Sheffield a little bit accidentally, but um, I've ended up staying longer than intended as well. Um, when I've spoken, I used to look- sorry, when I've spoken to you before, it seems like you're traveling around a lot as well. Is that part of the photography? Right. I basically ping pong. So I um I used to live in Scotland. I've not got. I always feel like a bit of a fraud because I don't have the accent. <laughs> but I was born in Scotland and lived here most of my life. I only moved down to Sheffield in 2014. Um, but partly because of my PhD fieldwork um and some other stuff, I've continued to kind of ping pong backwards and forwards between Sheffield. And when I'm in Scotland, I tend to be based uh, near Stirling, so in the Central Belt. Um, so yeah, I'm quite lucky that. At the moment, I'm kind of straddling Scotland and and the Peak District uh, and everywhere in between, really. But I do I love to travel and get about and yeah, see new places. So so if people if people are listening to this and they're not anywhere near Sheffield or Scotland, like mm-hmm. can they still book photography stuff or do they yeah. need to come to you or or can they put no. you on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> definitely on a plane if anyone wants to take me to i don't know the alps <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no i'm i'm definitely up for traveling um this summer's been great actually i've been as far down as dorset and devon uh for some photo shoots this summer um and as far north as inverness so yeah i know i love to travel about um and that's definitely part of what i want to continue doing um is traveling so definitely wherever it anybody is um get in touch <laughs> yeah so like in terms of moving forwards where do you see this going for you like are you going to focus yeah. more and more on dog trainers like is it going to be pr- promotional materials like have you thought more about that or is it just a case of like rolling with it as it comes yeah so i mean until now it has been a little bit of just rolling with it and see, seeing what happens which has been really fun um but yeah i think in the future what i would what i would love to do more of it, and because it is so important to me as well it's like the training aspect of things um is working more with with trainers and and other people in the pet and you know dog business um doing doing good work basically it's really you know i'm not i'm not in this you know, just to take money off anyone and i'm quite i've got a bit on my website that you know says that about my ethics and things you know, i won't work with people and this includes you new know, pet owners if, if someone turns up with their dog in a prom collar is you know i'm just going to be like nope sorry session's not going to happen like I'll talk to them nicely and things um but I am quite set on you know what I'm happy to what and who I'm happy to work with so I think for me um I'd love to develop my work further with with professionals and with brands basically doing good things for dogs (laughs) that's really really cool and I think that it well I know from being in business you kind of have to have your own rules Mm-hmm. right like you have to set your own boundaries about what you're comfortable with um yeah. like the address addressing of people that have that use aversives is a difficult one i think for a lot of reward-based trainers like yeah. there's you know i can't like even count the amount of times like we've spoken well i've spoken to trainers and they've kind of been like oh you know this person turned up to puppy class with their dog on a like whatever it is um yeah. I, but yeah, and it's a difficult one to to deal with. Like, I I try to think of 
like, I guess I'm in a different role to you because you're there to photograph. I'm there to advise on training. So like, it's a little bit different, but I always try and think of helping them as much as possible. If that makes sense. Like even with this podcast, right? Like we don't, I don't um, do the podcast and like criticize punishment trainers endlessly yeah. <laughs> right do you know what i mean like and yeah. i've said before i said on the last episode i would love to have more balanced trainers on have open conversations with them and kind of build bridges so like it's a really difficult one to kind of you know juggle yeah. with i think yeah no and i completely agree i think i guess that's what i mean i was a little bit you know that was a little bit blunt of me to say <laughs> <laughs> no worries it's your own rules like i'm not criticizing you at all but, yeah no no but i agree with you in the sense that actually that's not that's not my you know, even though I'm not a trainer and I would never, you know, claim to be, that's not, if I, you know, if I, if it's literally just like, bye, sorry, not working with you, that's not actually going to. But you would, you would maybe draw the line at photographing. Well, that's the thing. What I would not want to do, because obviously with photographs, a lot of it is about putting it out there on, you know, on the internet, social media. I would not feel comfortable with promoting that, you know, those kind of methods. So, and actually I've been so far, I think the type of people that kind of click with me and connect with me, I haven't had a lot of, a lot of this, but you know, if anything does happen in a shoot that I'm not very happy with, with, you know, how a dog's being treated or anything like that, I am quite happy to, to have a conversation with, you know, with the owners and, you know, not, not, you know, force anything, you know, on them, but at the same time, you know, just have that chat really. I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? For Definitely. I think that you would get a lot of respect for that, for putting your own beliefs and your own views above just collecting the money from them. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I mean, in, I think I am quite a, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but I don't think that I could sit and edit, you know, a shoot with a dog that's, you know, pictures of a dog that's obviously, you know, not unhappy. Yeah. Or if I know what's gone on, you know, in that shoot and I've not been happy with it. I don't think I could sit and, you know, edit it and then share it and go, oh, look at this beautiful dog if I'm sat there, you know, and I'm, I'm not happy with what went on. So, yeah, I don't, to be fair, nothing, you know, nothing that dramatic has ever That is happened. kind of a hot issue, right, with, like, uh, photography and, and videos and all that kind of thing. Like, I remember it wasn't that long ago that they had the Dog's Life movie drama where some dog was <laughs> supposedly having a horrible time in the water. Yeah, I remember that, actually. I never saw the film or anything, but I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, so, like, it. I think that you're right, you know, you have to take your reputation into account because, yeah. you know, if they see a dog that looks like it's having a miserable time and, you know, mm-hmm. Svenja's taking the photos, then, like, people are going to think, oh, God, you know. I know, exactly. They're thinking that I've, like, dragged it up onto something from picture. And, no. But, yeah, even even less about my reputation, just about my, kind of, how I feel about it, Um it's yeah it's quite important to me to to do that and that's I guess that's again where the wanting to work with you know trainers and brands came from is that I do I want to support you know when I see good stuff being being done then it's yeah it's about supporting that and getting involved and trying to get the word out do you have like a dream list because you're a proper (laughs) training geek right like when me and I remember when I've spoke to any other podcasters like Ryan and Hannah and all that kind of stuff it's like yeah you know, we've geeked out about like doing podcasts with Ken Ramirez or like uh, Ryan's yeah. done one with Susan Friedman. And like for us, yeah. that's like, you know, that's super exciting. So I imagine I'm speculating. But... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do, but you know, in all honesty, again, I'm kind of one of these people where I'm just like, I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it. And actually, John was similar. He was like, honestly, when I got my dog, I knew nothing. And like John's videos that he did on YouTube, like they helped me so much. So when I was, and, and obviously I've like got to know different trainers and things, but when I first started working with trainers or when I had this idea to try and work with trainers, <clears throat> I was like, oh, do you know, who do I want to work with? And I just went for it. I was like, do you know, he's a dude. He's doing some really cool work. And actually, like, that's the type of trainer I want to work with. So, yeah, I think I've already kind of, I wouldn't say peeped, but he would have been like, <laughs> that's hilarious so like john is john is obviously one of your heroes and uh you know i i love john you know like john was the first episode of this podcast yeah i think i've listened to it yeah so i was the same i was dead nervous talking to john for the first time because i love john's videos um 
but yeah, anyone else that is on your like wish list? Oh my goodness. Let's make it happen. Let's send them this. Because now if I approach anyone else, they'll be like, yeah, but you don't really want to work with me. <laughs> I'm going to be really diplomatic and basically say like, most of the people on your back catalogue of podcasts, like they would all be super cool. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, we're going to have to like make a group chat or something and make it happen. Yeah. That was some really, yeah, no, we've, we've spoke to some really cool, well, I've spoke to some really cool people on this podcast. Like I'm super grateful for that. That's like, one of the reasons yeah. I love having a podcast because I just get to talk to cool people. It is, yeah, no, it's really cool. And it's great for, you know, the fact that it's free to listen to as well for everybody. It's, it's really cool because it's one, of, it's another one of those things that you can point people at, especially, you know, people that maybe aren't quite, I mean, it's obviously you do have a lot of dog geeks listening to your show as well, but even people that aren't, it's great to have resources like this where you can, you know, point them in that direction and say, have a listen to this. And, you know, so it's not just you telling someone what to do. You can, it's it's just good to have that kind of, yeah, a good stock of, a, of different. A lot of people have said to me that this podcast tends to serve for them as an introduction to lots of cool people. Yeah. So, right, they listen to this, they find out about someone new, and then they can go and explore that in their own time. And um, I don't know, I'm kind of embracing that. Like, I think that's a pretty cool role to play, like, just to introduce people to other cool people. Um, so, yeah, that seems to be how, how we're going with this. Yeah, no, it, it is super cool. And, yeah, thank you so much for having me on as well, because I know that I'm not an obvious, you know, you've had a lot of trainers on, a lot of people who really know their stuff when it comes to behavior. And, I mean, I am, like, a self-confessed geek but if there were like rankings of geeks like you know like ninja geek <laughs> i'd definitely be like a rookie geek <laughs> but, um, well i think you're probably being very humble i'm sure that you have a lot of dog training knowledge yeah. i know that you're someone that does like to geek out about training and that's why i think you make such a good photographer for people that are in this industry like it's a bit of a no-brainer so where can people find out more about you and also loki because loki is like as you said like insta famous like <laughs> I, I definitely said that we were not insta famous <laughs> <laughs> now. um okay so we'll start with the most important you can find loki at loki the firefox on instagram um and you can find my photography page i've got a website which is www.com pocketfoxphotography.com um, and you can find that on Facebook as well just Pocket Fox Photography. Excellent so how should people go about contacting you if they want to book in photography yeah. sessions if they want to just kind of talk to you a bit more? Yeah um, so either via um, so on the website there's a contact form or you can just email directly um, hello at pocketfoxphotography.com um, or just on Facebook as well. I'm quite active on, on Facebook's probably the platform at the moment rather than Instagram where I'm quite active. So just ping me a message and we can have a chat. That would be, I'm always up for a chat. So <laughs> that's, that'd be probably the best way actually. All right. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you. Yeah, really nice talking to you. Thanks so much for having me on. What's up, guys? I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I certainly did. If you need any photos for an event, a business, just a view of your dog, whatever it is, you should check out Svenja's social media links, her website, and and book something in. And I've done the hard work for you on that front. You don't have to Google for all these links. I've just put them all in one place. To get that, just go to nickbenger.com slash Svenja hyphen Timmins. And the way you spell that is S-V-E-N-J-A hyphen T-I-M-M-I-N-S. Also, gigantic thank you to Butternut Box, our sponsor. They are seriously awesome. They've got fresh ingredients. It's perfectly portioned. It's delivered to you. It's not full of crap. It's just home-cooked food. The dogs love it. Seriously awesome. I can't recommend them enough. They've just been so cool to deal with. They've just been really awesome. And like I said, you know, um, our dogs absolutely love that food. Probably more than anything we've ever given them. And our dogs love food. So, um, 
Yeah, definitely worth checking out. You can get a massive discount on your first order by going to buttonupbox.com slash nickbenger. That will give you a 75% discount applied to your first order. So, yeah, I mean, that's just an absolute no-brainer. The other thing is, please go ahead and join us on the Facebook group, which is the Nick Benger podcast. No, it's not that, is it? What am I talking about? It's a dog talk with Nick Benger podcast discussion group. Uh, request to join and I'll accept you. And that's where we have our discussions. That's where the kind of community around the podcast resides. So uh, join us over there if you're enjoying these podcasts. Don't just lurk because, yeah, we like to hear from you. I, I really appreciate it. And also, uh, one thing that people aren't doing that I would quite like to see more of is guest requests. Because if you just post a guest request of maybe who you would like to see on the podcast, that gives me information. Even if I don't have them on, I want to discover cool people. So, And I, I certainly can't know everyone. So yeah, throw, throw up some guest requests and yeah, just introduce me to some people because... Uh, that's all all good anyway i'm gonna leave you to it have a great day and yeah see you guys